最佳听众互动奖得奖的是 First Story 等等，还有一位是 First Story 和 Discord 共同得奖。First Story 最新推出的 Discord 整合功能是为听众管理新标杆，将拥有会员资格的听众自动加入 Discord 群组。这不仅减少创作者的负担，也为听众带来丰富的互动体验，获得全台 Podcaster 一致肯定。体验这个惊人的功能，立刻点击叙述栏链接，让你与听众互动更上层楼。This year's World Health Assembly opened on Sunday in Geneva, and once again, Taiwan has been barred from the International Health Forum. Undeterred, local Taiwanese expats and members of the Public, including Taiwan United Nations Alliance, were on the ground to voice their protest and drum up support. On Sunday, participants held a walking event during which they ran into WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom. Could it be possible for Taiwan to be a reserve? Could it be possible to be a reserve for Taiwan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Could you tell us? Members of the alliance and Taiwanese expats happened to cross paths with the WHO head. Legislators and city councillors from both sides of the aisle and members of the public were taking part in the Walk the Talk event in Geneva, expressing Taiwan's determination to join the World Health Body. However, when our reporter tried to get close to Tedros and ask him if Taiwan had a chance to become an observer, the director general brushed him off, and then a man in his entourage blocked our reporter and prevented him from following the. Ethiopian doctor. Despite not having received an invitation to the WHA, Taiwan's representative office in Geneva invited its supporters to a reception over the weekend. Guests included representatives from all 11 of Taiwan's diplomatic allies. The health minister of Tuvalu said his whole country was behind Taiwan and rallying for its bid to be part of the WHO. Also present was a Swiss lawmaker who said that Taiwan and Switzerland are both countries that value freedom and democracy, and that the two countries should strengthen their relationship. World Health Assembly Taiwan's representative office in Geneva held a reception for foreign diplomats. Those who came to show support included not only representatives of Taiwan's 11 diplomatic allies, but also members of the Swiss Parliament. This country, which is open to the world and attached to freedom, exactly like Switzerland, holds a special place for our partner, which has repeatedly expressed the demand to intensify relations between our two countries. Well, it's a small island. We have only 10,000 people, and the team of Taiwan they manage to go through that 400 in a very, very, very tight uh, program they have. They stay there only for two weeks. One of my duties as a minister of health is to stay firm and then continue to support Taiwan to be a member of the WHO. The representative from Taiwan's ally Tuvalu stressed that his whole country supported Taiwan's bid to join the WHO. He said that in terms of medical capabilities, not only is Taiwan living up to its motto "Taiwan can help," but has already been helping.
While Taiwan's health minister, Xue Reiyuan, confirmed that this year Taiwan would not receive an invitation from the WHA, Taiwan is gaining more and more international allies. It doesn't look like our chances of getting an invitation later this year are very high. Actually, Taiwan can help many countries around the world. But we haven't been given this opportunity. The countries that respect freedom and democracy should come together to respond to the World Health Organization about this. We should gather together all the important topics of the WHA meeting, the medical and health issues, and simultaneously broadcast them via video conference in our legislative yuan, so we can respond to all the things that the WHO is discussing. That's how Taiwan can respond and absorb it. A medical doctor by profession, legislator Chiu Taiyuan suggests using video conference to transmit the latest information coming out of WHA to Taiwan. After all, medicine knows no borders, and the 23 million people of Taiwan should not be left outside the gate of the international health body. Purple crow butterflies are a sight to behold in Taiwan, but they're getting more rare by the year. Urbanization and pollution have caused their populations to dwindle, reducing their breeding grounds to a handful of locations. Today, we meet film director Zhan Jialong, who has loved butterflies since his youth. Zhan has devoted five years to producing a documentary about the purple crow butterfly so that the public can gain an appreciation for this once common insect. Our reporter Stephanie Yang met up with Zhan to find out more. Zhan Jialong has spent five years studying and filming the purple crow butterfly, of which four subspecies can be found in Taiwan. Its wings are covered in small iridescent scales that shine in striking hues of blue and violet depending on the angle of the light. Capturing their beauty in full requires specialized equipment. We use the world's best cameras from Hollywood. They are ultra-high-speed 4K resolution cameras that shoot 1,000 frames per second. That's the only way we could capture the color changes. Previously, it seemed that only endangered animals needed protection. But perhaps you have noticed, even animals like sparrows are gradually disappearing from our lives. The same is true for purple crow butterflies. It used to be that we could see the butterflies everywhere. But now we've built houses in their habitat and they are disappearing too. They can no longer thrive in urban areas because of the severe pollution there. Chan's love affair with butterflies began in the fifth grade when he was given a book about them. He says purple crow butterfly populations have gradually dwindled in recent years due to climate change and urban development. In an attempt to turn the tide, the director started conducting ecological research and preservation work in the year 2000. In his latest project, he spent five years researching and filming a documentary titled Lost Butterfly. I have studied butterflies since I was a kid. I have a deep affection for them. Everyone knows about the purple crow butterfly because it is the most common butterfly in Taiwan. But because of that, we also overlook them. 
These butterflies, which were so common in our lives, are now facing a crisis and disappearing. This is what Lost Butterfly wants to discuss. Every September, purple crow butterflies travel more than 150 kilometers for their seasonal migration. They overwinter in southern Taiwan in a place known locally as the Purple Butterfly Valley. Not all of them make it, as many are killed by cars on a freeway that crosses the valley. To create a safer path for the insect, the National Freeway Bureau sets up nets along the road. It even closes some lanes to traffic if more than 250 butterflies are detected crossing the road in one minute. This policy is unique in the world. We hope to showcase Taiwan's unique subspecies of the purple crow butterfly. In Taiwan, we have established an overwintering valley for butterflies. The purple crow butterfly is very special in their winter migrations. So, for their sake, we launched protocols so that they can fly across the highway. This is very important. Chan visited various places in Taiwan to conduct research for his documentary. He discovered that Kanding was a safe place for purple crow butterflies to reproduce. We conducted a survey about the purple crow butterfly at Kending National Park last year, and we discovered that the park is one of the largest breeding grounds on Taiwan's plains. In the past, the purple crow butterfly could be found all over the plains and in low-altitude areas. Now, Kending National Park is the only forested national park down in the plains. The purple crow butterfly is preserved at Kending National Park, which receives a large number of butterflies in the annual migrations. The grounds of Kending National Park have been preserved quite well. Our park is actually protected by the national park law. We have strict controls, so any digging has to first be approved by the national park. That's allowed us to preserve many low-altitude habitats, which allow wildlife to breed here. Through his documentary, Chan hopes to raise greater awareness of the crisis butterflies face and to showcase their beauty to the world. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Su Yusen in Taipei. Let's now turn to the G7 summit held in Hiroshima, Japan over the weekend. The leaders of G7 nations expressed consensus over the need to deter China's military expansion and to reduce their country's economic reliance on China. The leaders said peace across the Taiwan Strait was crucial to global security and stability and that China's expansion in the South China Sea was without legal basis. While the aim is not to completely decouple from China, the countries had expressed the need for economic resilience to make sanctions against China effective should a conflict over Taiwan ever occur. Leaders of the G7 issued a joint statement strongly condemning China, including expressing grave concern over Beijing's pursuit of militarization in the East and South China Seas. They expressed that there was no legal basis for China's expansion in the South China Sea and criticized China for its lack of transparency in developing nuclear weapons, saying that information on its nuclear weapons program should be released. This is the toughest stand ever taken against China, and it represents that a consensus has been reached that China is currently the biggest challenge to the democratic value system led by the G7. The leader's statement also reiterates that peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait is a crucial part of stability and prosperity in the global community. 
The leaders said that they would resolutely oppose the use of military force by China to unilaterally change the status quo in the Taiwan Strait. Japanese Prime Minister Kishida Fumio and UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak also expressed support for Taiwan. Regarding the situation in Taiwan, the G7 believes in the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait and will promote the peaceful resolution of cross-strait issues. All G7 members have reached an agreement on this. Well, when it comes to Taiwan, our, our position on Taiwan is long-standing and, and hasn't changed. A belief in a free and open Indo-Pacific region. The UK pledged to deploy an aircraft carrier strike group to the Pacific Ocean in 2025, a move clearly aimed at China. In addition to military measures, the leader's declaration urges countries to reduce their dependence on China in key supply chains, so as to avoid being economically pressured by China. The communique will note that each country has its own independent relationship and approach, by phrase from the European Union itself, looking to de-risk, not decouple from China. Before it attacked Ukraine, Russia was under the belief that it could use its oil supplies as a leverage to avoid sanctions from European countries. The G7 clearly hopes that China would not be in a similar mindset. The researchers said that G7 nations had learned from Russia's war of aggression against Ukraine and were therefore preparing to reduce economic reliance on China as a means of effectively sanctioning China in the event of a conflict involving Taiwan. Today we take you to meet Portuguese composer Fernando Antonio Docente. In Portugal, he was an accomplished piano composer. Three years ago, he moved to Taiwan with his Taiwanese wife. His combined love for music and culture led him to open a cafe serving classic Portuguese delicacies with, you guessed it, live piano shows. Our very own Stephanie Yang sat down with Docente in his eatery to find out more. Dos Sanchez's fingers fly across the piano. He takes turns playing the piano as well as the guzhen, one of the oldest Chinese musical instruments. Sense once visited Taroka Gorge and met with Ami's musicians. After his visit, he fell in love with the scenery and culture of the place. Therefore, he decided to capture the memories he had of Taroko in this piece. You can almost hear the sounds of the water and birds chirping. I tried to bring the, the movement of the, the waves of the sea, and I tried to bring the chant of the, the birds in the Taroko. It was totally improvised. I, 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 even I have I compose many musics, a lot of music, and I can write these music for other musicians to play. But I never played the same the music the same way because they really have to be kept alive. Sanch was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and grew up in Portugal. He started studying music when he was five years old. 
Dr. Sanch was a composer for several iconic Portuguese television productions of the 1990s. With a career spanning for decades, Dos Sanch was one of the youngest producers in Portugal at the time he started out. He credits his success to learning from a few of his mentors in the music industry, never giving up, and having a thirst for learning. And I was very young. I was uh, like uh, 20, 21. I learned with the, the teachers in that time. There was no real schools to learn these things. So my masters was two great sound engineers. José Forte and uh, the maestro Jorge Costa Pinto, they were really big. Dos Santos met his Taiwanese wife in Portugal, and the two decided to move to Taiwan in 2020. Two years later, Dos Santos decided to open up a cafe that served traditional Portuguese food, such as clams and Portuguese coffee. Dos Santos said he first learned how to cook with his grandmother. This formerly abandoned space in Banchao was torn up and renovated by hand by Dosanch. The furniture was made by Dosanch using old wood and corks to transform it into chairs, tables, and other furniture. She teach me how to cook the basic, very young, like seven. Uh, my, to me, me eight, around eight years old. That this food is as healthy as the food I give to to Susan and Rafael, daughter and son or to my family, or to my mother, or to, or, because that's what my grandmother made. She made the food to, that we uh, would eat, that was tasty, but the, she wants us to grow healthy. So it's the same concept. And tried to use the, some woods that were in the shop. So I used the re, um, everything I could use to recycle, reuse, or recycle in another object. Cut a little piece of the bread. Big enough for you don't uh, put your fingers inside the sauce. Now you dip here, so very clean. It's okay, don't touch. Okay, now you can eat. Though his food is delicious, he believes the strongest dish he serves is his piano playing, and he often invites others to join in with him. You have the right. He says that his patrons first enter his eatery as customers, but later quickly become his lifelong friends. I was taking a walk the other night and I found this place. So I came in, talked to Fernando, he shared with me his place. And then place, he brought you know? me back the next day and then we were playing music together. Yeah. You know, and we became real close friends <laughs> in two days. The use of the white wine and this sauce is amazing. Garlic and ginger, the parsley. I mean, it's very similar to what we have in Taiwan, but I guess we got the magic touch from Portugal here. So it's, it's absolutely t delicious. I try and we try to give to this place what was not here. And um, in the beginning, uh, since now we are very happy, our clients, we. I think we cannot, I think we don't have clients. We have clients the first hour or two hours they come in, they are clients, but after a very, they are our friends. Dusanj hopes that the Bistro Cafe can help connect people of all cultures and backgrounds and bridge the gap between Taiwan and Portugal.
from being a composer and now a chef. Dosanch hopes to continue to use his talents to introduce Portugal and music to more people around the world. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Yihan in Taipei. A weather front brought much-needed rainfall to Taiwan over the weekend, bringing some relief to reservoirs in central and southern Taiwan. Right on its heels, another front is expected to bring seasonal monsoon rains into Taiwan late Monday, with most of the precipitation falling on the western half of the island. However, according to the Central Weather Bureau, the rain will only be around for a day. Meanwhile, a tropical storm has formed over the waters east of the Philippines on Sunday, which is expected to pick up speed, and it could affect the weather around Taiwan in the coming week. Let's hear from the CWB. This front will arrive tomorrow evening and last until early morning Tuesday, quickly passing through Taiwan. It appears to be a complete weather system, with a low to medium level convective cloud system forming. From tomorrow night until the following morning, areas in the western half of the island will receive short bursts of torrential rain, along with heavy rainfall in some areas. As the tropical storm approaches Taiwan, there will be a large low-pressure system in the vicinity of the island, and the conditions during that time will not be favorable for monsoon rains. If the storm intensifies quickly, then by tomorrow it could strengthen into a typhoon. The CWB says that if the tropical storm currently east of the Philippines comes near Taiwan, it would alter the air currents and usher in monsoon rains. However, we'll have to wait until Wednesday before the path of the storm becomes clearer.